Welcome to Season 3 of the Filament Games Podcast, a show dedicated to game-based learning. Here are your hosts, Brandon Pitzer and Dan Norton. All right. That was nice. That was nice. Yeah. I, I liked the sliding bass. It was like, boom. Oh. You hear that? I, I think, I mean, it was woven into the tapestry of sound, but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't pick it out separately. <laughs> You've got a fancy ear, Brandon. Yeah. I got two. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to season three of the Phil and Games podcast. Season three. Season three. Yep. Here we go. Yeah. All right. So we're going to talk about, uh, you know, the usual stuff, game-based learning, mm. games. Sure. Dan Norton. Mm. And a special guest every time. This time, Natasha Soglin. Oh, hi. Hi, Natasha Soglin. Hello, everybody. She's Dan, here to talk to us about... Dan and Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. She's here to talk to us about illustrations, Dakotas, things that we will explain later. But first, <laughs> <laughs> first we have some housekeeping to do. I need to know what you're playing. Oh, all so, right. Dan, what are you playing? Um, I continue to dwell in the land of Blizzard products. Okay. Heroes of the Storm is Blizzard's uh, MOBA, and it's sort of a cavalcade of all the characters from their various other properties mushed into uh, a fighting arena type situation. So it, if I didn't know what a MOBA was... Well, I'd be very disappointed. Well, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's explore this disappointing okay. alternate reality. So, uh, MOBAs are a specific genre of game in which you control a small Barbie doll action figure character that has a set of maybe four or so abilities that are on cooldown timers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like really focused real-time strategy with just one dude is maybe... Maybe the simplest way to think about it. So sure. in, a, in this MOBA, and in most of them, you're placed on a team with other uh, players, and your objectives are to knock over the towers of the opposing team and let little small armies of minions trickle over and destroy their, their core base. All Meanwhile, right. they're doing the same thing. All right. So you have to sort of balance your time between uh, murder... Um, <laughs> Sometimes there's secondary objectives like mercenaries to uh, also murder, but then they come back to life and work for you, which uh, is a very strange sure. setup, but that's how it works. Um, that's and, how we do our recruitment. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, and then uh, uh, gathering experience for your team is also really important. So yeah, so it's 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 kind of it's got RTS elements where you're managing time, thinking about what's the best way to move your team's progress forward, but then also has very tense and exciting spatial battles of, All right. of positioning and timing that are good. Cool. Yeah. So they just released their 2.0 for Heroes of the Storm yesterday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and in particular, the relaunch more or less gave existing players... Uh, I think if you were to like buy all the things they just give you for existing, I think they gave away like $200 per person. Wow. Which you could say is an indictment of the microtransaction system. Like In a way. How, how is it possible to spend $200 on a, on a game? <laughs> but 
in the short term, man, that felt good opening up all those little loot boxes. And I can imagine. The, yeah, stuff shooting out everywhere. Yeah, the yeah. behavioral mechanics. Yeah. <laughs> the hooks are in. I was very pleased. All yeah. right. All right. So that's that's that, that and uh, yeah, Hearthstone. All right. Yep. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. One non-Blizzard thing. Okay. Card Thief. Mobile Card game. Card Thief. Tell me about that. Uh, in this game, you are a thief. You are not, well, actually, you are a card. Okay. Yeah, I was going to, yeah. So you are a thief <laughs> that is a card. So right. the, the title's apt. Um, it basically sets out a grid of different, uh, there's guards, treasures, torches that need to be extinguished. And you move through them and sort of spend your stealth points. You can also regenerate your stealth points by hiding in a barrel or clearing the board, etc. So it's basically a turn-based strategy card game. Uh, it's very simple. Uh, it's very elegant. Uh, it has a lot of replay for a mobile game. Like I, I've had it now on my phone for weeks, and I have not, you know, which for a mobile game is, you know, it's shocking. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, I'm very pleased with it. It's also a buy one and done game. Like you purchase it and it, you have it. So it's not it's not doesn't have insidious two hundred dollars of <laughs> I love how card you're trying investment. to come up with a name for just what a normal transaction is. <laughs> yeah, one and done. You like that? Yeah, like I think you bought a thing and then you got to have. Yeah, it. you get to have the thing you purchased. Isn't that neat? <laughs> what an amazing arrangement. Yeah, which is actually funny too because I don't actually have it. I'm sure I just have a license to give me permission to play it until <laughs> until Apple sees otherwise. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. so but I'll take it. What are you playing, Natasha? Me, I'm playing uh, a lot of Pokemon Go lately. Oh, really? I I put it down for a while and then I picked it back up and it's been. I can't stop because they they implemented a new like yeah what's seven new? day streaks thing where if you hit a Pokestop or like catch a Pokemon for seven days in a row you get like mega bonuses. Whoa, interesting. And, yeah, and so that's like well like I gotta keep playing for the for the bonus. So over the winter, I'm sure that's slowed down lots oh, of people yeah. here in Wisconsin. But over the winter, I mean, I recall Pokemon Go being kind of a mess. Of bugs and yeah, you're notoriously a Pokemon Go skeptic. <laughs> yeah, so I, I have they done have they done fixed that up? I probably I'm not really sure. I I can't tell you. <laughs> okay, all right. It's almost like you just enjoy your entertainment. <laughs> yeah, <instead of> dissecting <laughs> it. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, that's great. Um, for my part. I've been playing a little bit of Minecraft actually. Oh, yeah. I so <laughs> I discovered this website. And I'm going to get the name wrong. I think it's Plots with a Z. Oh, okay. But <laughs> you, can, uh, you can model different, like, 3D shapes, and then, like, it will show you, like, layer by layer how to build them. So I'm just making spheres Minecraft. That's pretty Interesting. cool. Yeah. And it's like, I was sitting there playing it last night. I was like, this is kind of like making a ship in a bottle. This is okay. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. For an adult to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is fine. There's a, there's a, I forget what it's called, but there's a VR product. Which I'm sure probably we can link to it after mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. That is, you can build things in VR and then import them into your Minecraft world. Whoa! Yeah, so hmm. it's like a construction space. So just slap it together, and then I don't know how it gets imported. I don't know, but I know that's the thing that does. It's kind of cool. I'm into that. Yeah, if you're also into making spheres, you might want to. This is another thing I've been doing. There's mm-hmm. a program called OpenSCAD. Okay. OpenSCAD is a modeling software that. All right. You don't model visually, you use scripts. So you'll be like, I would like 
a cylinder to appear on the screen at the following coordinates with the following properties. So I could use words and numbers finally, to, make, to make a sphere. Finally, <laughs> yes. At, at long last. It has a very elegant, actually you can do cool <laughs> things with spheres because you can say like how complicated you want the faces to be. So you can also make other regular, uh, regular shapes out of that sphere making thing. I'm going to see how far I can go down this All right. rabbit yeah, hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. sphere-shaped rabbit yeah, hole. Yeah, OpenSCAD, man. It's, it is cool. I, I, I've made a few things and printed them on Shapeways and felt cool for it. So, All right. Yeah. Excellent. Mm-hmm. So speaking of VR. Oh, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's new since the last time we actually did this? I actually sat down and recorded some stuff. Wow. Well, it's actually hard to think about what's old. Uh, right. Yeah. No, uh, well, where new. were we at that point? Um, did we, were we at, at all even initially embarked on our NSF SBIR project at that I, point? I don't think so. Oh, no. well, that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Sure did. Yeah. So Filament, uh, Filament got a uh, SBIR grant from the National Science Foundation to work on a collaborative VR game project. And we are underway with that. I'm almost hesitant to like go into the details just because it's That's like about as much as I would want to say about it. Right yeah, now. I yeah. can tell you it's <laughs> awesome, and yeah, very cool people are working on it. The the best people we got mm-hmm. the best people. Yeah, yeah. That's as far as we're going with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Well. Yeah. So that's exciting news. There's um, gonna be so much winning on that project. You're gonna, be, you're gonna be tired of winning. You stop this at once. All right, I'm done. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I think uh, more broadly, we're seeing a lot more impact just from VR in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. We've we've shipped a couple of VR products. I don't know which of those we can speak of at this point. Oh, neither do I. Uh, those are also cool. Yeah, we need just like a an NDA ticker yeah, that'd be <laughs> in, very this, nice. yeah, yeah. in this room to be like, can we talk about that? Yeah. I think, okay, maybe one, the one thing that's interesting to talk about is like, yeah, we have worked on several VR projects. The mm-hmm. ones that have been out the door have been on more of the phone based deployed VR, sure, sure. Uh, which is obviously different than uh, Vive and Oculus, super high fidelity VR experiences. So the shop's gotten a lot of experience working on, on the more uh, modest devices Yep. We've also been a part of that NSF project. We've been doing a lot of interviews with tech coordinators and teachers who are excited about using VR in the classroom. And uh, it seems largely that their main focus at this point is uh, in not everyone, but mostly everyone has gotten some experience with uh, like Google Expeditions has been sort of driving mm-hmm. a lot of people's understanding what VR is capable of. Yeah. Hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. I think uh, for the education market, at least, you'll see a lot more adoption of the low end side of the spectrum, um, which isn't to say like low fidelity or low quality, just, you know, the more affordable um, kind of modular, uh, you know, makeshift VR, basically, where you just put a phone into a headset. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, we're seeing a lot of that. You know, when we actually go to schools, if we're in a computer lab, we see usually boxes of cardboards because it's pretty affordable to get mm-hmm. a box right. of <laughs> <called> cardboard. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, but yeah, even on the supply side, like we've talked to some uh, distributors who face, you know, libraries and schools, and that's that's where their plans are too. So I think, you know, at least for the time being, you, you'll see the predominant adoption look like lower-end VR, mm-hmm. which is, you know predictable i think in terms of like if you look at consumption devices the chromebook outperforms the ipad like in pretty much every case yeah. in in k12 in terms of like adoption and purchasing i think it was 
60%, uh, 59% last year mm. of the purchasing uh, for hardware was was Chromebook shaped mm-hmm. <laughs> in K12. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting how it's like kind of slowly percolating up into the market, but mm-hmm. not necessarily hitting the the super ideal idealized high end VR that that we'd like to see in classrooms. Yeah, I think, and that's actually worth poking at a little bit because I think even the first rounds of VR for the commercial market on the high fidelity devices were really more about like where can you go and what can you see. Yep. Um, the what can you do component is right is like where experimentation in VR is right now on the cutting edge that's what that's what all the studios that are working on right now are trying to just start wrapping their mind around like what are the types of actions worth taking in VR what what feels good and right um so it makes perfect sense to me that schools are like well we're still at the where are you and what can you see mm-hmm. you know and uh I think that that makes perfect sense. And once maybe once the commercial market has figured out more about like here's great gameplay mechanics and verbs that take place in VR spaces, once those are more hashed out, you might see more uh, more entry of that into the school environment. But right now, yeah, you fire up the Vive store or Oculus store, and you're still kind of like, what do I? What can I do? <laughs> what are the things I can do? I, I mean, yeah, I can look at a whale. <laughs> and that's really pretty. But who doesn't want that? Yeah, I want to look at a whale. I yeah. want to look at a dinosaur, but uh, what can I do? Yeah, so that's kind of, I think that's where we're at. Yep. A liminal transitional phase. Mm-hmm. There, there also has been an interesting thing that in our interviews, a lot of people have talked about one of the exciting opportunities for VR is equity of experience, which was not something that occurred to us until we really talked to talk to teachers in schools about it, that uh, lots of people don't have the opportunities to go on a lot of fancy field trips and they don't get to see a lot of things that other students with more means do. So sure. using VR as a, a leveling the field for just experiences of going out uh, and seeing things in the world is actually kind of a cool opportunity. And even though it sounds right. modest, uh, well, it's know. even just like a geographic limitation. It's like yeah. if you're you know, going to school in Kentucky, you obviously can't go to the New York Hall of Science very right. easily. <laughs> right. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's advantageous to that to that extent as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of cool stuff. Oh man, man, you are the king <laughs> I did of segways. I know. Today. I know. Yeah. Um, flattering. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk to Natasha now. All right. Yeah. So, Natasha, who are you? Uh, I. <laughs> I am Natasha. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Check. Check. Uh, I'm a game artist here. I'm actually the game art team lead for Filament Games. Um, I make a lot of the art that goes into the games from concept to, you know, through production, through animation, and then into the game. We mm-hmm. get to implement stuff into Unity, and that's really cool. Awesome. How long have you been here? I've been here for five years, just over five years, which is longer than I can say for one of the people in this room. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. She's that's got you, seniority. I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know my shame. Yeah. Uh, cool. Um, so what what made you select Filament as an employer, like for learning games? Uh, well, actually, I kind of fell very gracefully into Filament's lap mm. um, as an opportunity came to me. Okay. Um, actually, a um, an associate of Dan Norton's. That's right. Uh 
through the Daily Cardinal, the University of Wisconsin Madison's um, independent student newspaper, the Daily Cardinal. Uh, they were like, I think he's like the president of the Daily Cardinal Associ- Alumni Association. Uh-huh. Uh, he said, "Hey, I've got a friend in Madison who's got a game studio. You should go work for him." Because I was about to graduate with no plans, an yeah, art wow. degree, nothing to do. Yep, and I was I was the graphic editor at the Daily Cardinal during my time at the university. As I was I. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, this yeah. is blowing my mind. Right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it was a super fun job. This is amazing yeah. information. Yep. Yep. And um, do so you I, still so do you guys like do you use the Badger Herald as a rag generally? No. Like do you not anymore? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they're uh, they're rival papers. Right? They're rival they papers. Yeah. And uh, it's largely a whimsical rivalry. And then every once in a while, someone manages to say something that's actually hurtful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, it was, uh, that's how it basically works. They're like, ha ha, Badger Herald sucks. Yeah. Like, but no, really, they suck. It's, <laughs> it's, it's always whimsical until someone yes. gets hurt. Yeah. In the realm of journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. I did not know that connection existed. Yeah. Yep. That's really exciting. Tony Sansoni. Yeah. That's the guy. That's mm-hmm. Tony Sansoni. Yeah. We actually just saw him San- at the... Sansoni. Sansoni. All right. 125th anniversary mm-hmm. of the Daily Cardinal a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. All right. Shout out to Tony. Shout yeah. out to Tony Sansoni. I love saying his name. So. <laughs> That's really nice. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm, I'm just proceeding down my outlined list here. Uh, a little bit more of introductory information. So can you tell me, like, in your capacity as, as team lead for the for the artists like how does that like what does that day-to-day look like um i'm more or less the liaison between management and sales and the rest of the art team which is two other people Uh Uh (laughs) three at this point and um so i kind of just check the numbers and make sure that everybody's got stuff to do when they need to be doing it and now the numbers, is that like allocation Allocation. Okay. A little bit of allocation, a little bit of if anybody's got free time, like what other side projects can do we have for marketing that we can give to them. Yep. Yeah. Um, make, just making sure that everybody's happy. Cool. Yep. And then every Friday, Natasha comes by and is like, hey, Dan, is there any art that needs to happen for sales? And I go, oh, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> there totally is. <laughs> yeah. Every so week. Yeah. Exactly like that. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so glad you came and asked. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. So, um, so what's your favorite project that you've worked on here? My all-time favorite project is yeah. actually one that we just wrapped up. It All was right. uh, I Civics County's Works. Oh, really? Game. Yes. It was so surprising because who'd have thought that counties are a very interesting subject matter in terms of government structure? Mm-hmm. And I had no, I you know, They're no kooky. one ever, no one ever thinks about it. Yeah. Really, until you sit down and either make or play this game. And it's like there's so many different departments and people have yeah. ideas and you've got a budget, at least in the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that is actually one of the, the stealthier learning objectives, I believe, is the idea that, hey, counties actually do things it with sure money. It mm-hmm. uh, Right, the uh, idea is it's not just the money goes into a vortex when you pay any type of county taxes, but they actually do right. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so that was really fun to kind of update the art style and redesign the map and make it look really fun to play and Mm -hmm. and because it was already a pre-existing game our team got to iterate on that and make it even more fun and and that was just very exciting to be a part of yeah i have to admit i am surprised that that is number one all time the the (laughs) fact in my head the fact that it's a redo Mm -hmm. in my head that would be like oh well that's kind of a drawback because it's sort of like things are so many things already known but 
was it actually just was it exciting to like I've, be able to like really polish I've, or something? Or? I think so, definitely. And the team, certainly the people that worked on that game, Alex Larioza, Megan Tran, and Luke were all just like they made it so much fun to yeah. work on because everybody had ideas and we got to do things like actually add crises every every two years in the game you get oh, a yeah. crisis in your mm-hmm. county yep. and we wanted so desperately to make it be visible on the map and so now when there's a crisis if there's an earthquake everything shakes or there's a wildfire and everybody's running around screaming and it's just <laughs> wonderful yeah. we had to do all of the steps in between just a very basic redo and like remake the game to get to a point where we can justify adding that level of polish and whimsy mm-hmm. in the game. <laughs> nice. Okay, cool. So you basically had to do the the on <laughs> the entree of work before you could get to the, yes. the dessert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Um yeah. all right, so when did that when did that ship? That was just like earlier this month. That was month, on right? April 1st, which is National Counties Day. That's right. So it's available for free to play mm-hmm. online at icivics.org. Shamelessly plug that. It's iCivics.org. Yeah. Check it out today. Yeah. <laughs> um, so transitioning to another game. I'm sorry. I can't stop. Um, transitioning to a different game that you play. Uh, let's talk about Dakotas. Dakotas. At, at long last. Yes. Oh, yeah. man. I've been talking about this for over a year now. The centerpiece of this podcast. So we we did an article about Dakotas. We did. Uh, with the Filament Games blog. That was a while ago. Mm-hmm. Probably like a year ago. It was like 17 years ago. This is, yeah. It was before, yeah, yeah, Natasha worked here, before any of us before, worked here. <laughs> before film was made. Yeah. Yep. Um, so uh, I guess the, the, the most important question to figure out right now is what actually is Dakotas? What does that mean? Dakotas is technically two things, one of which is in uh, an online community. It's a group found on deviantart.com, mm-hmm. um, which is has a member base of 5,000 5, members. Uh, the group does. The group does. It's a community. Um, it's a game. It's a place to express yourself. And then as an aside, Dakotas themselves are, as I like to call them, giant rideable wolf bears. Um, yeah. an, ori- an originally created species of kind of canine-like but also bear-like animals that are ridden around like horses and they do crazy things and you can do whatever you want with them basically. Yep. All right. And they look just like Kaiser the dog. That's one of the filament dogs. Yes. Mm. Yeah. At if least you... Dakotas with dwarfism do. Ah, well, they come in many shapes and sizes. I didn't know that. So <laughs> if you look at Phil, uh, Natasha just did a really great like uh, uh, speed sketch of the dogs of filament. Mm. So if you go to the Dakotas website and look at Dakotas and then you look at Natasha's speed sketch and you can see Kaiser in the middle of the pack with his tongue falling out of his head mm-hmm. as yeah. he's want to do mm-hmm. like you'll be like oh look at that it's a dakota right there yep all right yeah another plug for the blog <laughs> there you go right everyone, everyone go check out the blog it's all connected. rolling them out yeah yeah uh so why is it awesome like why why <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's so great about it i i personally love dakotas because it's like this structured place where you can go and like read there's first of all it's incredibly daunting and amazing and really impressive to look at. There are pages upon pages upon pages of rules that you need to read (laughs) in order to like successfully go through every single step and execute every action within the game that you can. But at the same time, you don't have to actually read all of those rules. So it's completely open-ended. There's no like canon that you have to abide by in terms of like 
location or anything if you want to draw or write your Dakota, which is kind of the basis of the activities within the group where you have a Dakota. And then in order to do anything with them, you draw them in a picture or write about them in a story, um, completing either a write, um, an activity, um, in a competition, or we, we have um, semi-annual brawls that occur. And it's just like this huge group activity of people doing basically all of the same things. And you can interact with each other and kind of like play together. And it's really cool. Cool. So it's like kind of collaborative fiction in yeah. a way that you're all putting together, but that actually has game mechanics within it as well. Okay. Very cool. Filament usually makes pretty prescriptive focused learning objective driven games like we make games about a thing and usually that game surfaces mechanics or identities uh, around those learning objectives and we really want you to master those things inside the game to demonstrate that you know them in a way that lets you demonstrate them when you're outside of the game that's like Mm -hmm. our thing Uh, Dakota's is like a very different type of positive impact game Mm -hmm. Right, like it is a game that encourages a community to write and create art together. Mm-hmm. Um, the mechanics aren't we're going to teach you how to draw. We're not. We're not. It's not a writing game mm. where you get points for spelling things correctly. Mm-hmm. Right, like it does none of the mechanics directly support uh, those two types of activities. They just create the engine and community around celebrating those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just think that is super cool and mm-hmm. it's, and it's something that, um, I just think it's really, for me, it's like Philman has such a, a, a pretty well-structured philosophy of how to be successful on our projects that we've been doing it for over a decade. But, uh, just when I was looking at Natasha's Easter contest, <laughs> uh, where everyone was going on chicken hunts and had to draw or write about looking for chickens, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't know, I was just like, I can't. These people are all getting together and making art together uh, and having a blast, and it ties into these game mechanics, and it's just something that we would never make a filament, and it's so cool. Mm. Uh, and it was just kind of neat to see that, you know, the world of making games to have a positive impact is a really big place. There's a lot of different really cool ways to approach how games could be a type of media that can have a real positive impact on on everyone who plays them and the people around it so mm-hmm. that's why i wanted to talk about dakotas again yeah it's super cool yeah so like th- you know that concept you're referring to there is like the transference idea right where mm-hmm. it's like you can take something you've gained as a skill within a gameplay environment and then transfer that to the real world and situate it in some kind of real world context mm-hmm. um so natasha i'm going to put you on the spot can you think of an instance where you may have experienced transference of your own with Dakotas? Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, yes. Um, Dakotas is a huge platform not only for expressing creativity and coming up with, like, new ideas for rules that have been put in place and, like, trying to bend the rules, which players do all the time. They try to bend the rules just Mm -hmm. to, like, be in their favor. Well, the rules say this, and I wanted to draw it in just this way. which is a little bit different from the rules, but I, th- I want to do it my way. And we, we allow for that kind of um, accommodation um, to bend the rules. And really it's just more of thinking outside the box mm-hmm. and, have per- and coming up with creative solutions sure. to things that are right, more or less regulated. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of like 
kind of internal transactions that occur all the time in Dakotas, which can teach some transferable skills. Like, um, what are some of them? There, we've got um, like marketing, market assessment oh, based sure. on supply and demand of oh, different sure. items, mm. or like Dakotas, the Dakotas economy. We, yes, the the entire <laughs> economy of yeah. Dakotas. Which Dakotas are rarer? Um, yeah. And then a lot of it is based on personal preference. So, like, if you have a Dakota that you really like that a lot of people don't, aren't going to, like, pay a lot of either real life or in-game currency for, like, how mm. do you continue participating in the game? Oh, yeah, that's actually a really interesting thing about the game. Mm-hmm. I was grilling you about that earlier. Like, not everyone is necessarily an art artist and mm-hmm. creator. Some people are basically, uh, they will commission. Mm-hmm art mm. and writing for their Dakotas. They're brokers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and that, that fuels another part of the game, which is basically that whole commissioning aspect um, kind of lets people play around with contracting as artists or writers mm-hmm. um, and gives them an opportunity to um, demonstrate their skill and kind of figure out, like, how do I sell art in a safe way that keeps me protected and keeps my buyers protected? And, oh, you know, sure. All those kinds of skills. Yeah. yeah. And then I, you know, so yeah, didn't you just recently, yeah, for that chicken challenge, you did mm-hmm. a collaborative piece I with did. another very well established Dakota artist. I did. And that, like, is a, you know, it's an ooh la la. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> you know, it's a special, a special thing. And, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, artists have ways to contribute their skills to add value into the engine of the game. Definitely. But then figuring out how to do that, you can't just draw. Dakota with red polka dots and be like, I did it. Mm-hmm. Who mm-hmm. wants this? I need $40 for it. It's not going to happen, <laughs> right? You have to like work on the relationships. I don't know. It's just very sure. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like creating demand for your, your niche Dakota. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Building up trust and honesty in the community is like a big part of it too. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it does, it has an awful lot of, uh, yeah, the factors that play into just operating in a commercial or business yeah. environment for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I you know, see you see that a little bit like playing MMOs. I find that like guild leaders tend to have some kind of administrative role in their real lives mm. as well. You oh, know? interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I find that a lot and they'll like they'll adopt that same pattern, you know, when mm-hmm. they're on when they're on comms like, "All right, guys, like, you know, the kind of same pattern that they apply when they're stocking <laughs> at a grocery store or something." <laughs> um so yeah, I think there's there's a lot to that in terms of like community around games requiring administration in a lot of cases mm-hmm. because game spaces are abstract and um you know in a case like Dakota's being defined on a constant basis, mm-hmm. you know, to the ex- it's almost like Calvin Ball to that extent. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just kind of making it up as you go. That's um, good. Well, I had, I had a question for you Natasha. Yeah. Let's say let's say you wanted to get involved in Dakotas. Oh, like, man. What are, like, other than, like, going to the site and figuring out how to register, yada, yada, like, mm-hmm. what would be the the first three, like, critical things someone should do? Um, the first things that you can do are, first of all, join dakotas.deviantart.com. Yeah, let's call that zero. <laughs> That's zero. Zero. Um, uh, in order to get a Dakota, you can do one of several things you can buy one from another user mm-hmm. by creating an advertisement journal or looking through the existing advertisement journals and buying one that way mm-hmm. um you can get uh what we call slots to existing dakotas that are breedable as breeding is a mechanic in this game and that's how they generate 
you know, over 27,000 Dakotas. Mm-hmm. We'll probably be 100 more uploaded today. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> so many. Or you can do what I did and enter a raffle for a free Dakota um, and wind up with the coolest Dakota around. Okay, so yeah. do, do, not do the third one. The that third. sounds like that's the best one. Win that's, the raffle. Yeah, win the raffle. Good luck. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, we're debuting a new segment. This that's season, right. that's right. A new exciting segment. Mm-hmm. I don't. I doubt we have theme music for it. We don't have theme music yet. No. Okay. Uh. But someday, maybe. Yeah. Josh is nodding. He's gonna make my dreams come true. He mm-hmm. always does. Um, we're debuting the Outwa. Yes. The Outwa. The Outwa. Can you spell that for me? A O T W. I struggled through that <laughs> yeah. more than I anticipated yeah. that I would. Yeah. Um, that stands for the acronym of the week. Yep. So uh, this was something that Ethan came up with. Yep. Ethan Psycho, one yep. of our producers. Our new, our new friend, Ethan Psycho. Um, he's he's the Etwa, the Ethan of the week. That's, I'm going to say that right now. <laughs> um, and I just proposed this as as a segment of sub- similar substantiality to the rest of the segments we've done. Yeah. Um, I think it's worth saying that we've been on the hunt. For something, the spiritual successor to Contronym Corner mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah. And then Ethan just plopped down in the meeting. He did. Just threw this threw this out there. And we're like, well, that's, that it was, was. a bolt of lightning. It was a bolt of lightning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, I mean, the jury's still out on factor fabrication. We're still thinking about it that. It was okay. Yeah. It was okay. Seasons down the line, we'll have a segment about which of our segments were, the were, segment were segment. any good. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but without any further ado, the acronym of the week is SMET. SMET? SMET. SMET. I, can you... Uh, can you? So I think the point of this segment is for you to try and guess what that could mean and where it's from. Yeah, Can do I get any hints? Uh, yes, it's a previous version of an incredibly popular acronym that has, oh, a massive impact on our lives. Yes. <laughs> I see oh, you remember it I now. know this one. All right. So let's actually. I think Natasha knows it too. Turn I it. do. You do? <laughs> oh, we all know SMET. <laughs> yeah, we do. Okay. Um, so here's the background on SMET. It is actually the precursor to STEM. Yep. Science technology, engineering, and math, a, an acronym that haunts us, really, mm-hmm. uh, as, as, a, <laughs> as an operator in the education space. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is also, you know, obviously critically important, very good for the kids yeah. to get into STEM. <laughs> Everybody should do STEM. Everybody should do STEM. <laughs> um, but actually, it was, so it was popularized uh, by Judith Ramilly, who was uh, a professional, um, the director of the National Science Foundation's Education and Human Resources Division, Mm -hmm. who was tasked with uh, developing a curriculum that would enhance education in those four areas. Mm -hmm. Um, And the NSF came up with SMET. All right. And she said, (laughs) that's terrible. (laughs) Oh, she fixed it. Okay. So let's do STEM instead. Yeah. Um, So that's the story of SMET. Yeah, SMET. Yeah. Should there we start using Smet? Should we bring it back? I would love that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're so iconoclastic <laughs> at film and games. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Um, Is there anything worse that you could do with those letters? I don't think though. I, I think know. that's the worst. Yeah. I like mean, Mets. That's a team. I mm-hmm. guess some people don't like them. Yeah. I guess that's a baseball. That's baseball. I don't know enough ba- about baseball to know who wouldn't like the Mets. Just checking with the booth. Yeah, it's baseball. 
That's confidence. Josh, <laughs> Josh is like, yeah, baseball Mets. for sure. All right, so Thames. Thames. Sem. S- yeah. Sm. Sm. That might be worse. Sm is worse. Yeah, T-S-M-E. <laughs> Sm. I think is worse. So at least they did that. They got uh, that going for them. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is what we should do, just rearrange acronyms. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, most of them, I think, aren't so arbitrarily rearranged. And, yeah. uh, so at least they did make a thing you could pronounce. Yes. And further away that we did, we are doing Autwa, which is very arguably unpronounceable. I don't know. It sounds French to me. <laughs> 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 um, anyways. Yeah. All right. So that's the new segment. I like it. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> I think it's all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, uh, last, lastly, I just want to mention um, what you can look forward to in this new season of the podcast. Um, and as soon as my iPad tells me exactly what that's going to be, I'm going to fill everyone in. Okay, so um, what we have to look forward to in season three, we'll have Greg Tapo. Yeah. Games journalist, education thinker from USA Today cool on the show. Guy. We'll have Matthew Farber in talking about his new book mm. um, and the return of the retro review and the so. game design challenge. Yes. These things are coming back and it's going to be great. It's going to be super good. Awesome. All right. Well, that is all the time we have for today. Thank you very much, Natasha, for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was a real pleasure. Yeah. And until next time, we're signing off. I was going to say, like, stay frosty, but that's not, <laughs> a, catch, that's not a catchphrase for us. No, I don't think it is. Yeah. Well, it could be. Yeah. It is now. All right, guys. Stay uh, frosty. Yeah, stay frosty. <laughs> <laughs>